Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, and now she's missing the mountains where she lives in Chicago with her husband and two children. Her debut novel, Remarkably Bright Creatures, is out now. Please welcome Shelby Van Pelt. Hey, Shelby, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. You know, my, my children are in school and, it, you know, it's their first year where life feels kind of normal. So I'm I'm excellent. That's super good. <laughs> um, your book, Remarkably Bright Creatures, has been out for a while and like people have, have loved it. Um, but for people who haven't heard of it or yet come across it, tell the readers what it's about. Well, I always like to say it's about an octopus, but it's not about an octopus. <laughs> um, so the octopus is one of the narrators, which I know is kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. But you know, I always ask people to just kind of like trust me. <laughs> um, it's not it's not too too weird. Um, it's basically about an older woman who was recently widowed, and she takes a job mopping the floors and cleaning up at her small town local aquarium. Uh, just for something to keep to keep busy, you know, something to do. She's very much based on my late grandmother, who was always finding something to do to keep busy. She just couldn't stop moving. And uh, this woman, Tova, makes friends with the giant Pacific octopus who lives in this aquarium. Uh, it's set in the Pacific Northwest, which is, you know, very close to where the giant Pacific octopus is. You know, that's where their habitat is. <laughs> And, um, you know, this octopus is sort of near the end of his life and he's very curmudgeonly, but he takes a liking to Tova and they develop kind of an unlikely friendship that ends up helping her solve some unanswered questions um, about her life. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And uh, what part of the book will you be reading for us today? I'm going to read a section, you know, a lot of times when I do bookstore readings or just short little readings as part of events I read from Marcellus's sections because he's very fun but um but I'm going to actually read a section that's um we're kind of in in Tova's point of view here um just because and it's we're very near the beginning of the book so no spoilers this is kind of part way through the first chapter take it away okay the chewing gum mounts a valiant defense against Tova's file but eventually it pops off When Tova pitches the crusty blob into the trash bag, it makes a satisfying little swish as it rustles the plastic. Now she mops again. Vinegar with a hint of lemon tinges the air, wafting up from the wet tile. So much better than the dreadful solution they'd been using when Tova first started. Bright green junk that singed her nostrils. She'd made her case against it right off the bat. For one thing, it made her dizzy, and for another, it left unsightly streaks on the floors. And perhaps worst of all, it smelled like Will's hospital room, like Will being sick, although Tova kept that part of her complaint private. The supply room shelves were crammed with jugs of that green junk, but Terry, the aquarium director, finally shrugged, telling her she she could use whatever she wanted if she brought it herself. Certainly, Tova agreed. So each night, she totes a jug of vinegar and her bottle of lemon oil. Now more trash to collect. She empties the bins in the lobby, the can outside the restrooms, then ends in the break room with its endless crumbs on the counter. 
It's not required of her, as it's taken care of by the professional crew from Elland that comes in every other week. But Tova always runs her rag around the base of the ancient coffee maker and inside the splatter-stained microwave, which smells of spaghetti. Today, however, there are bigger issues. Empty takeout cartons on the floor. Three of them. My word, she says, scolding the empty room. First the gum, now this. She picks up the cartons and tosses them in the trash can, which, oddly, has been scooted several feet over from its usual spot. After she empties the can into her collection bag, she moves it back to its proper place. Next to the trash sits a small lunch table. Tova straightens the chairs. Then she sees it. Something underneath. A brownish-orange clump shoved in the corner. A sweater? Mackenzie, the pleasant young lady who works the admission kiosk, often leaves one slung over the back of a chair. Tova kneels, preparing to fetch it and stash it in Mackenzie's cubby. But then the clump moves. A tentacle moves. Good heavens! The octopus's eye materializes from somewhere in the fleshy mass. Its marble pupil widens, then its eyelid narrows. Reproachful. Tova blinks, not convinced her own eyes are working properly. How could the giant Pacific octopus be out of his tank? The arm moves again. The creature is tangled in the mess of power cords. How many times has she cursed those cords? They make it impossible to properly sweep. You're stuck, she whispers, and the octopus heaves his huge bulbous head, straining on one of his arms, around which a thin power cord, the kind used to charge a cell phone, is wrapped several times. The creature strains harder, and the cord binds tighter, his flesh bulging between each loop. Eric had a toy like this once, from a joke shop, a little woven cylinder where you stuck in an index finger on either end and tried to pull them apart. The harder you pulled, the tighter it became. She inches closer. In response, the octopus smacks one of his arms on the, lino on the linoleum, as if to say, back off, lady. Okay, okay, she murmurs, pulling out from under the table. She stands and turns the overhead light on, washing the break room in fluorescent glow, and starts to lower herself down again, more slowly this time. But then, as usual, her back pops. At the sound, the octopus lashes again, shoving one of the chairs with alarming force. The chair skids across the room and ricochets off the opposite wall. From under the table, the creature's impossibly clear eye gleams. Determined, Tova creeps closer, trying to steady her shaking hands. How many times has she passed by the plaque under the giant Pacific octopus tank? She can't recall it stating anything about octopuses being dangerous to humans. She's but a foot away. He seems to be shrinking and his color has become pale. Does an octopus have teeth? My friend, she says softly, I'm going to reach around you and unplug the cord. She peers around and sees exactly which cord is the source of his predicament, within reach. The octopus's eye follows her every movement. I won't hurt you, dear. One of its free arms taps the floor like a house cat's tail. She yanks the plug, and the octopus flinches backwards. Tova flinches, too. She expects him to slink out along the wall toward the door in the direction he'd been straining. But instead, he slides closer. Like a tawny snake, one of his arms slithers towards her. In seconds, it winds around her forearm, then twists around her elbow and bicep like a maypole ribbon. She can feel, feel each individual sucker clinging to her. Reflexively, she tries to yank her arm away, but the octopus tightens his grip to the point where it's almost uncomfortable. But his strange eye glints playfully, like a naughty child's. Empty takeout cartons. Misplaced trash can. Now it makes sense. Then, in an instant, he releases her, 
Tofu watches, incredulous, as he stalks out the break room door, suckering along on the thickest part of each of his eight legs. His mantle seems to drag behind him, and he looks even paler now. He's moving with effort. She hurries after him, but by the time she reaches the hallway, the octopus is nowhere to be seen. Tova drags a hand down her face. She's losing her faculties. Yes, that's it. This is how it begins, isn't it? With hallucinations about an octopus? Years ago, she had watched her late mother's mind slip away. It started with the occasional forgetfulness, familiar names and dates elusive. But Toba does not forget phone numbers or find herself searching the back of her mind for names. She looks down at her arm, which is covered in tiny circles. Sucker marks. You you mentioned that uh, Tova was partially inspired by your grandmother. Um, yeah. What, what, did you know that when you started writing Tova? Or did that come in later? It definitely came in more in a more pronounced way, you know, after I had gotten the character sort of off the ground. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted, I was really um, interested in the idea of, um, you know, staying in, in emotion to avoid uh, pain or to avoid um, well, really, in the in the case of humans, it's you know it's to avoid feelings or to avoid dealing with with something unpleasant. But you know, in the case of when you're at an aquarium, you see, you know, just these fish and stuff that just circle like day and night. Mm-hmm. And I kind of my grandmother was kind of like that. Like I feel like she just was always in motion, and I always kind of wondered, especially as I got you know older and after she passed away, you know, what was she what was she running from? Mm-hmm. You know, was there something there? And, you know, I don't know that I necessarily had that thought when I set out to make the character, but it definitely, you know, forced me to think a little bit more about her life and about my relationship with her as I got into it. You're also originally from the Pacific Northwest where this takes place and the octopi inhabit the ocean. Were you writing the book while you were still there or had you moved away? Uh, No, I had moved away. Um, I actually wrote a lot of this during um, 2020, mm. you know, like the first okay. half of COVID. And I mean, I had come up with the idea years before, but really when I was getting down into trying to to make a run at finishing it, it was during like pandemic lockdown. And so I think it was really nice to be able to write a book about home at a time yeah. when I couldn't go home. I mean, I live in the suburbs of Chicago now and, you know, the, the twice weekly flight home just didn't happen for a couple of years. So it was really, really nice to be able to sort of mm-hmm. be home within my manuscript. Yeah, and, and and that's lovely to hear. I was gonna ask, like, how did it make you feel? Like, I mean, obviously you just touched upon it, but like, was it like cathartic? Was it did it make you miss home more? Like, specifically, like, especially during that time, which was so crazy. It was crazy. I used to, you know, it was so funny to me that I was writing a story about an aquarium. And like, I feel like we all felt like we were mm-hmm. living in aquariums. You know, you're looking at your front window, watching the world go by. Um, I think it was more cathartic than anything else. I have moved around a lot since I you know, left home. And I think I've always struggled with sort of not feeling fully connected to any particular place that I've lived because it's always been, you know, a few years here, a couple of years there. And I think for me, just kind of reclaiming that connection and being able to say, this is my place. I'm going to inhabit it through this book, even if I can't live there physically anymore. And, um, you know, really reconnect with um, with the place that will always be home to me, even if I don't live there. Thank you so much to Shelby Van Pelt for joining the Day Beautiful podcast and to read on the First Taste reading series. You can find her on the internet at shelbyvanpelt.com and on Twitter at Shelby Van Pelt. 
You can find Dave Beautiful at DaveBeautiful.net and at DaveBeautiful on all social media. As always, I'm Adam. This is Dave Beautiful, and you're all beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>